Going Linux, episode 294, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail is 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Well, Bill is a little under the weather today, so it's just me for this episode. So let's get right into our emails for today. Our first email is from Ken. Ken writes, Larry and Bill, I'm currently running Linux Mint Cinnamon on my Acer Aspire 5535-5452 with AMD Athlon 64-bit processor, 32GB of DDR2 RAM, and an SSD drive. Linux works just fine on this machine except the temporary shutdown when you close the top without a complete shutdown of Linux. When I close the top, I have to press the on switch for several seconds to get it to cold boot. Instead of having to go through this complete reboot, it sure would be nice if I could just open the top and continue where I left off. Do you know of any setup process to make Cinnamon work in the desired mode? I did some reading and checked the power management. Lid closure for AC power and battery power are set to suspend. By the way, I have this machine set up for dual boot Cinnamon with Cub Linux. I really like Cub, but using it with the laptop and having to completely reboot makes it not too useful to me. The laptop has very short battery life and gets hot while holding it on my lap. Thus, the serious need to be able to temporarily halt the computer operation without the need to go through a cold boot. One other little bit of information. The boot-up times for both Cinnamon and Cub are not very long compared to Windows 7. Still, it is a pain to have to go through a cold boot. Remember that I have my trusty Acer Chromebook sitting here that allows almost instant-on operation. It can be laying there dormant one second and be totally operational in just a few seconds, almost as soon as you open the lid. Of course, the Chromebook can't do some of the tasks that I would like to do with my ham station when that goes operational. Thanks, Ken. P.S. Bill. Yes, I did drop my immediate ambition for the extra license. However, I did pass the Tech and Gen on the same day. KM4 QXE. Now I'm trying to assemble some HF equipment. I only have a VHF, UHF, HT up and running right now. Swapping contacts with local extra friend. I'll keep working the little study program until I get the extra much later. Sorry that this doesn't fit your main core Linux, folks. I really enjoy your podcast and follow all the action on the Going Linux site. I will be using Linux on my laptop for the ham expedition. 
Well, Ken, you've got a few issues with this old Acer Aspire. And when I say old, this computer originally came probably with Windows Vista. And looking at the specs, it has a fax modem dial-up port. So this is pretty old. And as a result, some of the problems that you're having may be due to older hardware issues, particularly the battery. The battery may actually be completely shot and you need a new battery. Uh, you can find those on Amazon or other internet sites at a relatively low price. Uh, the lower the price, the more likely it is you'll have to wait for that battery to be shipped to you from China. But um, uh, that's the first thing that I would recommend. While you have the case open, check the battery for the CMOS. That is a little button-sized battery that maintains the clock, and you may not even notice that it's a problem. But since this computer is fairly old and you're ordering batteries anyway, I would recommend that. Now, those two battery replacements may eliminate the problem that you're having with a laptop getting hot. And it may actually eliminate the problem with the computer not going into suspend. The other thing to check while you have the case open is to check the RAM, make sure it's completely seated into the socket. Being so old, it's possible that they've worked their way loose and you may be having some of the suspend issues as a result of that. Not very likely, but hey, you've got the case open. It's worth a check for sure. Just make sure that the RAM is seated properly. Other than that, I really don't have a lot of suggestions for you. You didn't really say, but I suspect that you have the same problem with Cinnamon and Cub Linux, the two operating systems that you have installed on the system. And I'm not sure whether you have upgraded Windows Vista to Windows 7 and you have that as a triple boot, but check that as well and see if the short battery life and the laptop getting hot and not going into suspend is the same on all three operating systems. If it is, I really think this is a hardware issue and not a software issue at all. So give that a try. And if any of our listeners have a suggestion for Ken, other than what I just mentioned, send us an email or send us a voicemail with your suggestion or put it on our Going Linux Google Plus community. Our next email is from Gus. Gus writes, Dear Larry and Bill, I think your points about lightweight hardware are good. I think that there's a place for projects like Mate, XFCE, LXDE, even in a world where hardware is phenomenal. While it may get to the point where the resources need to, needed to run an OS become less and less important, I think that lighter desktop environments offer features that their more full-featured counterparts don't, especially in the worlds of enterprise development and media production. Lightweight desktops not only make efficient use of resources, but also can streamline workflows. Eye candy is well and good, but in settings where productivity is king, it tends to get in the way and distracts from the task at hand. I also think that even as hardware improves, it still makes sense to optimize the efficiency and minimize the resource usage of programs. Obviously, there is a place for both eye candy and more lightweight systems. Thanks for the great show. 
Well, Gus, I couldn't have said that better. And I agree with what you said. There's definitely a, a place for both. And thanks. Our next email is from John. John writes, Hi, Larry. As a longtime Linux user, I, of course, use LibreOffice. About two years ago, I was at a reunion, and one of my friends at the reunion was complaining he had brought a paper to work on, but his Windows laptop had a different version of Office than what he had written the paper on on his desktop. So I told him that LibreOffice might help out. I helped him download LibreOffice, and he was able to complete his paper. So open source even helps our Windows friends. John. John, that's very true. And if your friend John had been using LibreOffice on both computers, this wouldn't have been a problem, of course. But LibreOffice often solves the compatibility problem, even between Microsoft Office version incompatibility. And people talk about LibreOffice not being compatible with Microsoft Office, but even Microsoft Office different versions are not compatible with one another in about the same way. LibreOffice is free, of course, so there's no reason that I can think of not to use it uh, on all your computers, whether they are work computers or whether they are home computers, uh, unless, of course, you work for a corporation that locks down software installation on their computers. And then you really don't have any choice, but LibreOffice documents are pretty much compatible with most Microsoft Office documents these days, for sure. Martin has written back with an update one year later. Hi, Bill and Larry. It is now almost one year from my original email, and I thought I'd better check in and let you know that I am still running Linux Mint, now 17.3, and now am fully converted to a Linux future. I've tried Ubuntu Mate and Peppermint, but keep returning to Mint. I'd like to say that I'm much impressed by the standards of Linux, along with its capability and compatibility. So, well done, and thanks to all who contribute to these projects. Finally, thanks for a great podcast. Martin. Well, Martin, thanks very much for those kind words, and I am very pleased that you have converted completely to Linux uh, one year later. Sometimes it takes a while, and you've probably had lots of experiences to talk about on the way, so we'd like to hear about them if you haven't already provided us with that feedback in the past. So again, Martin, thanks. Ken wrote a further follow-up to his previous email. Thanks for your earlier email suggesting I install Linux Mint 17.3. I have been looking for direction regarding the advantage or disadvantage of making a slash boot partition when partitioning the drive for a new installation. I did not create a separate boot partition with this new installation of Linux Mint 17.3. All things seem to be running well. So I'm not sure whether I should go back and reinstall again using the separate boot partition. Secondly, another reason for me to install a fresh operating system was because I lost my speaker icon and wireless card icon in the system tray. I tried reinstalling the latest XFCE desktop, but that did not solve the problem. I checked the startup and both icons are checked as displayed on startup. In the new installation, I saved my home directory, did not reformat slash home, and mounted that partition as slash home. When the new installation is complete, the problem 
no speaker or wireless card icon was still there. I couldn't see the wireless icon and click on it to see if my wireless access point was recognizing the laptop. So I backed up my home partition, reinstalled and reformatted the slash home partition, and the problem was gone. I now have my speaker and wireless card icon again. I was able to see my wireless access and get the Broadcom driver set up. Whatever was in my old slash home partition brought the same problem over to my brand new Linux Mint installation. I don't know what the problem would have been. I was afraid I could not get the Broadcom wireless card on my Dell Inspiron 1501 working again in the new installation of Linux Mint, but I was able to quickly find good instructions on how to do that. I wish it was a little easier in Linux Mint to set up the Broadcom card driver. Well, thanks again for your help. I enjoy the show, Paul, in North Texas. Well, Paul, I don't think that having a separate boot partition is going to make a difference one way or another with your issues. And the issue with the icons is definitely something that was in your home partition. It's probably in one of the hidden dot directories. And I would, uh, if you hadn't already solved the problem in the way that you did, and solving that problem that way is completely appropriate. I would have suggested you look in the dot uh, directories, the hidden directories, to find where the icon setups for XFCE are contained. I don't recall, I don't use XFCE on a regular day-to-day basis, so I don't recall which hidden directory those are in in XFCE, but it's probably one of those, and it's probably related to the XFCE desktop. Um, and that's where I would have begun to look. But since you've solved the problem, I think that uh, everything is A-OK for you. So good for diagnosing that and solving your problem. In our Google Plus community, we've been discussing Linux Mint distributions that mirror the look and feel of Chrome OS. Ken wrote us about his Cub Linux installation. By the way, Cub used to be known as Chromixium. Larry, Bill, I just tried Cub Linux, not in depth, but on the surface, I like it. When I got it connected via my Gmail account, all the bookmarks, etc. came right up and I could keep going just like on my beloved Chromebook. I installed it on my ancient Acer Aspire 5535 laptop with SSD drive. I installed it as dual boot with Linux Mint 17. Cub Linux, of course, is a bit faster than Chrome on the Chromebook due to the more powerful resources of the laptop. Then with the laptop, I can't just open and close it and pick up where I left off, as I do with my Chromebook. When I close the laptop, I have to press the power button until the computer powers on, then boot from a fresh start. The boot time is not bad, but certainly not as good as my Chromebook with its almost instant start from the time that you open the cover. I think that if I had a better platform, I would really like Cub Linux, due to the more powerful computing power and storage of the laptop. However, the $200 to $300 price tag of the Chromebook sure makes it attractive for the way I use it. Of course, the Chromebook isn't my only computer, as I have other things like CAD and photography, for which I need a desktop dual-screen computer. Laptop, not usable here. It would be interesting to see Cub Linux on a modern, low-cost laptop, if such would allow it to start instant-on with low weight, 3 to 4 pounds, and with cool operation. Ken, P.S. Bill, 
I continued to use the Chromebook with the ham test online and passed my tech and gen last weekend. Now I'm waiting for the paperwork to get the system to be able to use the new license, 7.3. Our next email is from Rich, who writes, Larry, evidently many of the old processors can handle PAE distros, but some don't have some sort of flag in their firmware or something to enable the PAE distro to work. In particular, this refers to the IBM Lenovo P4-based laptops. There's a workaround for some of the Ubuntu-based distros. Haven't tried it yet, but seeing reports that it works. As I understand it, fake PAE is for CPUs that really can't handle PAE distros, and forced PAE is for distros that can, but don't have the flag. Here is a link to some of the info on the Lubuntu install page, and we'll have that link in the show notes, of course. And Rich signs off saying, still defrigging my computers. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. And we appreciate the feedback, the link, and the input on PAE kernels. That's uh, going to be very helpful to our listeners. And keep on defrigging. Next up, Tony. Tony writes, hi, Larry and Bill. I have a serious problem. I give you the error message that I'm getting verbatim. Running in software rendering mode. Cinnamon is currently running without video hardware acceleration. As a result, you may observe much higher than normal CPU usage. There could be a problem with your drivers or some other issue. For best experience, it's recommended that you only use this mode for troubleshooting purposes. All the best, Tony. Well, Tony, it does seem to be, from that error message, a serious problem. Uh, you haven't told us, though, whether this is a brand new installation, whether this is an installation you've been using for a while and this message just came up. If it's a brand new installation, it may be that your video card isn't uh, capable of running any more than 2D acceleration. So you might want to go into the video setup to check to make sure that it's set to use the lower graphics mode. And it's also possible that you need to use a proprietary driver on this particular laptop. So check in the driver settings to make sure that you are using the latest driver. And if you're using Ubuntu or Linux Mint or many of the Debian derivatives these days, they have a driver check utility in there that allows you to see if there is a um, a proprietary driver or an alternative driver for you to install. Uh, check there first. And if this is an older installation that's been working just fine, it's possible that your video card is having hardware problems. So you might want to get that checked out as well. So do those couple of things and then get back to us, Tony, uh, or maybe give us a little more detail about what your problem is and and maybe we can help in a little bit more detail. Our final email is a gone Linux story from Laura. Laura writes, I'm writing to tell you how useful your podcast has been to me and my daughter. As a mother who went to high school when computers were very, very new and not a household item, it has been difficult for me to try to follow new technology with my young teenage daughter. Safety is foremost, of course. 
when her school said that a laptop was mandatory and recommended a Chromebook with no explanations, thanks to your podcast, I learned that Chromebooks are very safe due to the fact that it is impossible to download anything, including a virus, and that Chromebooks are Linux-based. When my daughter was struggling in a technology class that required Photoshop and needed Photoshop at home to do her homework, I couldn't believe the price of a one-year subscription. Fortunately, thanks to your podcast, I learned that GIMP is a safe and free similar program. Again, Linux-based. I allowed my daughter to download it on her home computer to do her homework, and everything is going well. Thank you for making Linux and computers less scary. In our own small way, we are going Linux. On a personal note to Bill, I would like to tell you that we have our little dachshund called Biscuit, and while she does not steal our dinners, she does hog the bed and snore but we love her very much. Keep up the good work, and thanks again, Laura from Canada. Laura, thanks for the email. We really appreciate hearing these Gone Linux stories from our listeners, and it sounds like you and your daughter are both adapting very well to Linux. Keep up the great work. Well, that's it for this episode. Until our next episode, go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. If you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.